Welcome to the podcast, in and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. And I'm the associate pastor of Memorial Baptist Church. That's right. That's right. Don't forget it. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to do it last week and I didn't get the chance. Because you did, you you introduced your title and I, right. I, then I was like, oh, then it's not funny if I just do mine. <laughs> and then you sound like you're just some guy named Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I I am some guy named Tim. That's right. I, w- whenever people are like, "Well, what are we supposed to call you?" Like Reverend Brother. <laughs> I've had I've had people call me Father. <laughs> I, I, and I, and I told the guys like, "I ain't your dad." <laughs> <laughs> people like to call me Pastor Tim sometimes. Yeah, and, sure. And they're like, "Do I am I supposed to call you Pastor Tim?" And I always say, "My parents only had enough foresight to name me Tim." <laughs> That's great. That works. I think you got to go Brother Tim. Yeah, that's what it was when I was growing up in the South. Brother Tim. Brother. And and interestingly, only pastors are brothers. I yeah, don't know we, what that means. I don't get that either. Uh, yeah. But in, in the Southern Baptist circles I grew up in, your brother, our pastor was Brother Joel. Okay. Shout out to Joel Faircloth. Awesome. Brother awesome Joel. Pastor. Uh, but nobody else was brother anybody. Mm. Um, just him. I was introduced to... Um, a gentleman who goes by Brother Tony. And there was another Christian podcast that would just throw up clips of Brother Tony sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think he's in Tennessee somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, some interesting stuff. <laughs> I don't know if it's the most edifying <laughs> sermons, but they're certainly entertaining. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Google Brother Tony. <laughs> so, so here's an issue that we've got. Okay. What's We've had issues all morning. Like we didn't record yes last week, we did a double up the week before because you were gone last week. Yep, at Muskoka Bible Camp, Muskoka center. Bible Center. Oh, center, mm. not a camp, not a technically c- a center. Where we stayed was essentially a hotel. Yep, uh, and so, and so the whole thing, like our whole system, was taken apart, mm-hmm. rebuilt it this morning. Yep, kind of thing. I don't feel like that. That's where our our woes end. These these questions are so well-designed, so it's not a complaint. Mm-hmm. They're so interconnected that a person reads through the catechism and they're taken on a journey. Yeah. Right? Um, to be fair, I, I think the way this catechism is laid out, if you have someone who is curious about faith and wants to learn, this is a great book to introduce them with. It actually is, yeah. So if I had a friend who was just like, hey, I'm I'm curious about Christianity. I want to know what it's about. Can you, you got anything for a new believer? Mm-hmm. You got anything for someone who's who's just looking into it? I, I think you could throw, it th- throw this to them because it's going to walk them through all of the different steps on a progression, which means sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. Mm. And last time we did a recording, I talked about the concept of a stool, and to have real faith means you sit on the stool, not just say that looks like a good stool, which would have been perfect for this week's question. (laughs) you got to read ahead, Tim. So now we're just going to (laughs) chat. Coffee? (laughs) I got a coffee? Yeah, because all... Oh, I don't have one. Don't have... Is that because last time I made fun of you? No, it's honestly just because I forgot to make one before we came down here. It's fine. <laughs> Do we need to hit pause? I'm tempted, but I, I think I can I can I can soldier on. 
Yeah, we could hit pause. We could even throw in one of those little do, 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 jingles for like. Okay, I can go make coffee. No, you don't need a coffee. Okay, sorry. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, um, I, I totally, I totally agree with what you said. Yeah, we can get ahead of ourselves. But as far as as far as using a catechism to like help, you know, people who are interested or brand new believers understand the faith, it's like oh, I want, I wish people had thought of doing that before you know tim i just wish <laughs> wish that would have been a practice that you know had happened throughout all of church history oh oh it oh it did happen oh we just stopped doing it like 100 years ago for some reason and, oh, okay <laughs> and, and to, to talk about the issue of revisiting things yeah. that we've already said yeah a, a wise bit of pastoral knowledge that i will pass down to you even though you're an associate pastor and i'm just him mm. <laughs> um, I heard, I heard an old pastor one time at a church I was visiting in Louisiana mm-hmm. say, uh, I know I've talked about this before, but when I did, half of you weren't here, half of you weren't listening and the other half of you probably don't remember. So <laughs> I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's funny. Speaking you got to say that with a smile on your face. So everybody knows you're kidding. Yeah. Speaking of catechisms, actually. Ayla got her first catechism question down. Not from this one, unfortunately. Okay. This is a bit beyond her. So we got like the children's first catechism. Um, it's like a different kind of book. It's very, very simple. So mm-hmm. the first question is like, who made you? And Ayla says, God. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> we awesome. got one down. <laughs> so now now I know of like six words that she can say. Oh, yeah. She can say tickle, which <laughs> yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. Alex Riley Tim. Yeah, she yeah, she knows your name as well. And God, she knows God. Yeah. She's got some other she's got some other great words. Yeah. The the new one is uh when she's eating and food gets stuck on her hands. Sticky, sticky, sticky. Yeah. Awesome. And this is what the people came here for. This is exactly <laughs> to hear all the cute stuff from my kid. Well, they can't see my kid, right? Because of what's going on. So I mean this they way they can. <gasps> they can, Tim. Sunday mornings. Oh, nice. Memorial Baptist Church. Be there. If if you want. <laughs> If you don't already have a local church. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> question 30. Yeah. Just to bring us on track. Mm-hmm, that's probably Just because idea. everyone's starting to ask <laughs> themselves the question, do I really want to hear the rest of this or not? Question 30. What is faith in Jesus Christ? Mm. What are some ways that people have tried to answer this question, Marshall, mm. and done so unsuccessfully? Okay. I think one might be... Um, identifying this as just acknowledgement of his historical existence mm-hmm. and the historicity of his death and even his resurrection. Right. I believe there was a guy named Jesus of Nazareth who lived in you know the region that is now Israel 2,000-ish years ago, and I believe that that happened. Right. And this is a really popular one. Sure. Right? Like, there's a great meme where the the one guy says, if you were more like your Jesus, people would like you more. And then the person responds, they killed him. They killed him. What are you <laughs> right. talking about? Uh, there, I, I had a friend one time post on Facebook who uh, previously claimed to be a believer, now not. Um, and he said something, you know, the, the famous sort of Gandhi-attested, quote of if you were more like your Jesus kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just said, you know, what are you looking for in that? 
mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? And so him and a bunch of other people started piling on about like, uh, you know, Christians are like this or like this or like this. And I, and, and mostly came down to judgmental mm-hmm. or condemnation or narrow mindedness to which I just started, you know, just references to things like I'm the way, the truth and the life. Mm-hmm. Right. Like not trying to be a jerk, but just trying to say, hold on. I, I don't think I, I think what you're trying to do is to say this Jesus that I've created as a historical figure. If you were more like him and, and not the actual Jesus, just say, well, these are things that Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that don't fit into your thing. And finally boiled it down to the guy just going. Um, I like Jesus in the Beatitudes. And that's all. That's as far as he could go. He'd be like, "I like the Beatitudes." Cool. And uh, and so so yeah, that acknowledgement of a historical Jesus, but not caring about the things that he actually said, mm-hmm. right? This this imaginative Jesus, mm-hmm. commonly described as the ultimate hippie kind of a Jesus, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Another another wrong answer could be. Um, and we've talked about this kind of thing before, so we don't have to belabor it. But just that, yeah, Jesus existed. He did stuff. But um, following after him is just kind of one potential option among many paths. So, like, right. Jesus left a good example, had some good teaching. I'm going to kind of lean in that direction uh, because I, you know, I feel comfortable with that. But, hey, if you're if you're leaning somewhere else, that's, that's cool, too. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Lewis nailed that shut once and for all mm-hmm. with a lunatic liar or Lord. Yeah. You yeah. have to choose mm-hmm. because he can't be any combination of the, t- of the three. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible to have a faith in Jesus that is uh, divorced from scripture. Mm-hmm. So I- meaning, you know, we create a Jesus in our own image to some degree um, or our, uh, perception of him or, or what we would like him to be like um, mm-hmm. supersedes what is revealed to us in scripture. Right. Um, so I think that's one issue, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's Oprah's Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Is, well, I believe that, you know, he was about the things that I'm, I'm about, right? Rather than, rather than this kind of willingness to submit and say, well, maybe he was right about things that I'm wrong with. It's just like, no, I'm going to believe in a version of Jesus that just affirms everything that I agree with. Right. Already. And, <laughs> and, and then interestingly, when you submit to that Jesus, what you're doing is submit submitting to yourself as God. Essentially, yeah. Right? This is, this is a better version of me. This is who I'm trying to be mm-hmm. if I'm not already. This is who I, this is who I would like to be. Uh, we'll call it Jesus and we'll worship it. Mm-hmm. The last one I've got is... Um, Perhaps a little bit might might concern some people, so I might have to qu- like qualify my statement here. But I think it's something worth noting. It's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum: a faith that is completely divorced from our personal experience. All right, so qualify it. So what I mean by that is an entirely clinical, philosophical mm-hmm. understanding and quote-unquote faith in Christ that is separated from any kind of significant spiritual experience in our own lives. Right. So, yeah. So it's it's saying that my faith in Jesus is um, 
you know, not only like what we were talking about initially, this affirming historical existence, but affirming this list of doctrines, mm-hmm. right? I hold to this system. I believe this system is true, but there, that is just, it's just this cold thing that is completely separated from who I am and, and devoid of personal relationships. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that one is, you know, potentially, um, more prevalent in some of the circles that we run in potentially, potentially. Yeah. And so here's what I, here's what I would say. There, there are some people who hear this and they jump all over the train of that's what happens when you study too much. You get too much theology in your brain Mm-hmm. And too, you spend too much time studying the Bible and theology, reading the Puritans and all that kind of stuff, and that's what happens. You become too smart and you lose the relationship. That's so not the case. Yeah, that's not been my experience. <laughs> In fact, I would say the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. And and I would say, um, take it back to other relationships that you have. If I got home and I was like, hey, Lindsay, let me tell you about my day, and she's like, don't. Because I'd probably love you less. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. All right then. Um, that's n- that's not the sort of like that's not her saying I'm. And she might be happier, not knowing how my heart was manipulated by things that I had going on and that I was struggling with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a relationship. Yeah. Right. That's her having a relationship with a version of me that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But learning more about a person is an act of love. Yeah, I and, think so. And I would say the more that I've studied, the closer I've become to God. Mm-hmm. And that is predominantly true. Although, when you when you were describing it, I was thinking about a particular professor in Toronto mm-hmm. who has become very famous over the last few years, Mr. Peterson. Oh, yeah who um, will not only acknowledge the historical existence, um, the historical validity of the Bible, uh, but even the teachings of the Bible, Mm -hmm. and finds himself, in in some recent posts at least, very torn over whether or not he should move into that relationship structure. So very interestingly, Mm -hmm. acknowledges that he affirms all of the teachings, Mm -hmm yet doesn't have the relationship. He's just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think just to kind of circle back a little bit in regards to this whole idea of, you know, deepening our love as we learn, I think it it is at the same time fair to say as a bit of a, maybe not a cap, caveat might not be the right word, but um, there is still a potential for people like you and I in the work that we do, being in the Word on a, on a regular basis, doing ministry, you know, full time, um, and school um, f- full time on top of work full time, which is you know it, it's it's got its trials, but um, to not to there's a, there's a temptation or there's a a possibility to become very task oriented right in that work. Yep. So there is there is there is a sense of like the more you learn can deepen your relationship and generally does, but there is still you still have to guard against the. I'm reading my Bible so so that I can write this sermon. I'm reading this mm-hmm. Bible. I'm reading my Bible so that I can lead this Bible study, so that I can do this podcast or whatever it might be. Um, so there is there is that element to it, and that's why that that's why I would just say there is a personal that that relational thing is something that needs to be constantly with you. Yeah, sometimes it's it's hard to 
to approach prayer and scripture and take your work boots off. Yeah. To be like, no, this isn't for other people. This is for me. Yeah. Um, That's and, tough. And yeah. sometimes when you're doing that, you find yourself putting your work boots back on. Yeah. Um, like, people need to hear this. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely against that. I, I think preaching and teaching out of an overflow of what God is currently doing in your heart is a beneficial thing. Yeah. And I think a person who can entirely divorce their personal devotion from their teaching is too mechanical in their teaching mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So, and also like, I mean, you're, you know, not that a lot of our listeners are necessarily writing sermons, but even if you're leading a small group or a Bible study or whatever, like that preparation that you're doing ought to be devotional. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not, if you're not being convicted, if you're not being challenged, if you're not growing in your appreciation and love for the Lord through that work, then you need to maybe, reevaluate how how you're going about that stuff yep so those are wrong answers yep the catechism says faith in jesus christ is acknowledging the truth of everything that god has revealed in his word trusting in him and also receiving and resting on him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel so not only believing that he exists but not not less than that. Yeah, you have to know that he exists. Mm -hmm. You have to not only believe that he is, but what he was about. Mm -hmm. That is faith. Mm -hmm. You have to rely on that as truth. Mm -hmm. You have to receive the gift of salvation, and you have to trust in that alone. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we talk about like, oh, believe and be saved, especially in, in an age of decisionism, which was rampant decades past. Mm -hmm. um, decisionism or easy believism, whichever one you want to call it, uh, was the sort of a person, you know, at the end of the church service, there's an invitation. Person goes down, signs a card. Hey, everybody, this guy's a Christian. Um, sometimes it was worse than that. Sometimes it was with every head bowed. And every eye closed. Yeah, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You're yeah. a Christian. In the least, like in the place where it should be public, <laughs> publicly, like the, the easiest venue for publicly proclaiming your faith. Mm -hmm. Let's get every head bowed and eye closed. That was the. That was just the. Yeah, that's just the worst. And if but you disagree, send me an email. But that was just the. Well, worst. Well, I'll send you an email right now. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not unilaterally bad. Okay. Right. Because there are true believers who made initial steps of salvation in that way. Yep. I'm one. Sure. Right? Uh, but, but sometimes what people will do is they will say, um, that person has no fruit in their life. Mm. But I know they're a believer because there was that one Sunday night. Mm -hmm. when this thing happened. And so it's a shame, but we're all good. Mm -hmm. um, because all it takes is faith. That's right. all it takes. Right. And if you, you want to add to that, so there was a huge controversy in the 80s over, started by John MacArthur, not started by John MacArthur, but he was key in it, called the Lordship Salvation Controversy, right? Mm -hmm. um, where he said, 
Jesus, you can't just believe in Jesus. He has to be Lord of your life. Mm-hmm. And and interestingly enough, although he is the most reformed of Southern Baptists, especially at the time, um, they the charge against him was that he was adding works to salvation. Right. Because uh, it was not just believe, it was believe and. Mm-hmm. Believe and submit. Um, they offered, as an opposition, submission as obedience, but still a person could be saved and disobedient. Um, and and I think that's where easy believism took off and said, no, all it is is faith. All it is is belief. Just believe. Mm-hmm. But there are certain, there are tail signs of someone who believes. Sure. What does it mean to believe and what does it mean to profess? Mm-hmm. Because a, a confession of faith means I'm professing that I hold this belief. Mm-hmm. Simply a profession is is not enough. Mm-hmm. Right? Just saying, oh yeah, I believe. Yeah. But it but it doesn't bear fruit in your life. When when scripture talks about knowing who is and isn't, it always talks about bearing fruit in the life. Mm-hmm. That is not to bring works into the conversation. It is to bring evidence into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And these things are not works added to faith. They are evidences of faith. Yeah. I think <clears throat> the thing we need to re- be, be reminded of is this whole like faith without works is dead kind of thing is ultimately God knows who is saved and who's not. Sure. But if we're trying to determine who is saved, not not in order to be judges, but to say, is that someone we want in a position, a ministry position in this church? Should I be sharing the gospel with that person? Should I? Exactly. Right. Then in that case, it is okay to to look at the fruit, to look at the works and say, is there is there evidence for me to discern whether that person is a brother or sister? Right. right. Not as a judge, but as a way to to in wisdom interact with that person where they're at yeah and i i talk to a lot of people who have friends or family members that aren't walking with the lord um and they say but i know that they're christian so i don't bring it up because i just don't want to upset them but there's nothing in their life that proves that faith that's a dangerous game yeah that's a that's a scary and dangerous game Mm -hmm. uh to play and i don't see Although, although I understand the heart's desire to believe that to be true, I don't see biblical evidence for it. Yeah. And I think if a person is truly regenerate, made new, and living in disobedience, th- with the Holy Spirit at work within them, calling out that there's no fruit in their life, and that they might not even, uh, they're not putting themselves forth as people who are actually believers, would only be beneficial because the conviction of the Holy Spirit would bring them back into repentance and obedience. Yeah. The gospel is not just for people who aren't saved. Right. Right. So even if you, you believe, okay, I believe that this person is regenerate, but they're just in this extended season of being far from the Lord, being far from the church. I mean, even if that's true, they still need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that. And that will hope that, and and the Lord can use that to draw them back closer to Himself. So, um, don't in false confidence 
say that person doesn't need the gospel anymore because we all need the gospel. You and I need the gospel. Right. So anyways, that's my advice. Yeah. And, and it's a, I, I understand that it's a touchy thing. I'm, I'm, oh yeah. It's I'm not, not easy. I'm not here to tell people like, why are you even nervous about it? Why are you worried about what's going to happen in the relationship? Mm-hmm. You're undermining what you believe to be true about the gospel. None of, none of that is what's going on here. The, the point is to say true faith is something more than the signing of a card and or a raising of a hand right. or a repeating after me. And and I think it's important not only to look at this in for other people but to look at it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Are we are we given to the teachings of scripture? Mm-hmm. Does it does the person of Jesus and the word of God make decisions for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's I think that's a question that we need to take. And then and then in that, we ask ourselves the question, if that is obviously no, it, it's going to be inconsistent for any believer. Mm-hmm. Where you're going to be like, no, I, I, I stumble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's understandable. That's because we're human, we're being sanctified and not yet glorified. Mm-hmm. But if we can consistently look and say, that's not the case. Um, one, I'd be interested to know why you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> two, <laughs> uh, two, I w- I would say we have a question to ask: Am I playing a game? Do I really believe, mm-hmm. or am I a believer who's living in disobedience and needs to get back on track? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. I think one of the things that wasn't really mentioned. Uh, in the catechism just regarding this question, but I think is helpful, um, is just the Bible's definition of what faith is. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1. Mm-hmm. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That That is what faith, that's how faith operates. So it's assurance of things hoped for. So things coming down the line, trusting in the salvation that we have uh, received from Christ but also the conviction of things not seen. And I think that word like for conviction doesn't just mean I believe those things to be true, but like I don't necessarily see the will of God in a tangible way. Am I convicted by it? Am mm-hmm. I am I convicted by the spirit which I don't see? Right. Right? There is go- that is going to exist in a situation where someone has faith and if it's right. not existing right when people like we've talked about this before if people are like oh i'm just questioning my salvation because i'm wrestling with sin it's like the fact that you're wrestling is a good sign sure if yep. you weren't wrestling that's when i'd really be concerned not to say that we should take sin lightly but to say that is that the fact that you're broken over the fact that you're convicted of it is good mm-hmm. people are walking in in sin and there's no conviction we got a problem that's a serious. That's a serious yep. thing. And I, I would say another measure is to ask yourself: How many contingency plans do you have? How many? <laughs> right. How many other forms of morality are you adhering to and changed by, or are you completely sold out on this one? Mm-hmm. When I was in junior high, I went bungee jumping. Um, in my mind, it was like jumping off the Eiffel Tower. It was probably a step ladder. Um, in reality. But there's no kind of bungee jumping. You either do it or you don't. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> and you you have an you have you have one thing. You have a cord. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And you you can't you can't bungee jump and be like, "Well, I've got this cord, but I'm also going to stay on the bridge." Right. Right? Some people think that jumping off of a tower with nothing but a rubber band tied around your ankles is crazy. Mhm. I should probably listen to them, but I kind of want to do this, and so I'm going to do both. There's none of that. Right. Right? <laughs> you jump, and the only thing between you and catastrophe is that one thing mm-hmm. because you have faith in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard pastors say, try Christianity for a while and see what God can do for you. And I think you can, this, this isn't the kind of thing you try. Yeah. There's, there's no test driving Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no test driving the choice between receiving or rebelling against his offering of grace. There's no test driving repentance from your sin or continuing to live thing your way, mm-hmm. right? It is a heart change from death to life, all things new. Mm-hmm. Um and that's what faith is. Yeah, that trusting. Yeah. I think one element of this answer, though, um, which kind of stood out to me was the word resting. Mm-hmm. Resting on him alone for salvation. And, you know, we live in a culture that is kind of, uh, on one hand, uh, people are busy, busy, busy like they've never been before. And we're also kind of obsessed with leisure at the, at the same time. Um, we get busy doing our leisure activities or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Right. And not that this resting is necessarily talking specifically about slowing down, but in a spiritual sense, um, resting, resting means being it, it's the bungee jump analogy. Isn't really um, maybe the best one for this resting. It's more like, you know, I think of David when he's talking about like he's surrounded by his enemies but he's going to lay down and get a good night's sleep, right? Because he trusts that the rescue is so, he's so sure in the rescue. He's so sure in, in his salvation that he is not worried about what is surrounding him. Um, and that, that resting is really something that I think, um, for myself and I think for a, a lot of believers, um, is something that we don't, we don't consider enough. What does it mean to truly rest in him for my salvation, uh, just rest in him for my provision, um, rest in him for, for so many other things. And I think we really, really wrestle with it because we've kind of been indoctrinated to, to think that like, if I, if I need something, I need to go out and get it right. Rather than just relying on, on receiving that thing from someone else. Yeah. I, I really liked for that resting part. I really liked the, the commentaries, Mm-hmm. on the on the app side of things. Yeah. Uh one, just to point out Jonathan Edwards being Jonathan Edwards, one sentence with sixty plus words <laughs> uses the word acquiescing twice <laughs> in that sentence. Because Jonathan Edwards. Because that's how he rolls. Uh but after that, John Yates, the second paragraph, he's talking about do we understand what salvation means? The salvation that we're resting in that, mm. that our faith has brought us into. It means safe, but it also means healed, forgiven, adopted, having been made whole. Hmm. And when we, when we live in faith, 
a true faith and a matured faith. Sure. Because faith grows and matures. Mm-hmm. We are able to rest and say, yeah, I'm not bringing much to the table. Mm-hmm. In fact, everything that I bring to the table is points negative. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't about me. Mm-hmm. This is not about what I'm doing. It's about what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me to say I'm saved is for me to say I am safe. Mm-hmm. I am healed. I am forgiven. I have been adopted. And I am whole. Mm-hmm. Because of Christ. Mm-hmm. And Christ alone. Sola fide. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex. Take care, everyone. See you next time.